episode four. Four. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Racing Goons Podcast. We're your hosts, Tommy. And I'm Phil. What up? Today, we're going to break down the Belgian Grand Prix and all the chaos and excitement that we saw this weekend. Um, back again by popular demand is Phil's badass intro. <laughs> oh my love god. It. I love Never it. Ends. Good. All right, everybody. Look, welcome once again to another episode of the Racing Goons podcast. Um, we're really excited to, start, uh, to talk about Spa this weekend. Tommy, what about you? You're excited? I'm so pumped. It was such an awesome weekend yeah. and great to be back. Yeah, after four long weeks of just vacation or, or holiday is what the Europeans call it. Yes. Um, we were excited and I, I'm telling you, Spa delivered this weekend. Oh, huge. Yeah, unfortunate for some. But but man, what a what a race for others. So I'm excited to talk about it. Having said that, let, let's just talk about the elephant in the room. What the hell is Hamilton doing? <laughs> I mean, if you want to just jump straight into it, I honestly I think <laughs> I think we have to go slow and we'll get there. <laughs> I think we gotta stick to somewhat of a plan because we gotta just roll through this whole thing. Um, but. But yeah, look, we'll break down the race. We'll dig into some post-race discussions. We have sim racing to get into, where I spent some time at Spa in a Ferrari F1 car on a sim, full motion rig, which was awesome. And we'll talk more about that. We'll get some listener questions, and um, let's just let's go. Let's just do this thing. Let's talk about your trip real quick. You you recently uh, traveled to Seattle? Yeah, so I just got back from Seattle a couple days ago. Actually, yesterday, last yesterday, I got back watch the race um in the morning in the airport um which was which was wild but yeah went to seattle with my family wife and kids and we uh went to olympic national park we went to mount rainier we went down to um tacoma which is just south of seattle and they have this this um, museum this car museum called america's car museum and it's all like old hot rods and there's some nascars there's there's even an a1 car i don't know if you've ever heard of that series yeah the old right? old international series so, so it was kind of like a that. winter series back in the day yeah so they had that se- that car hanging on the wall that was cool um but on top of all that they had a sim a full motion sim from C- cxc simulation we rented a wrx it was a brand new wrx and that that thing was fun um yeah i wouldn't mind adding one of those to my garage <laughs> so tom you have a garage huh i don't have a garage yet sure but, he does but i'm gonna get one i'm gonna get one not in my house okay i have the shop i have the shop i don't have a garage in my yes, house two yet. garages <laughs> business yes all right so f1 we're really here for spa right let's talk about spa so yeah like we said it was a wild race for some and somehow a simple race for others but before we talk about the race, let's talk about what was expected and then explain the starting grid, too. Well, I think what was expected was that the regulations were going to help some teams. Tommy, what teams were those? I mean, we talked about Mercedes possibly gaining an advantage this weekend, but it didn't really look that way. Not at all. I mean, from day one, because I'm a Mercedes and, and Lewis fan, I wanted to say that they were sandbagging. I mean, I kept texting you guys. I was like, I, I think they're sandbagging. There's and I no kept way. saying, I hope so. <laughs> and, and there's no way that they were eventually, what, during qualifying, 1.8 seconds Yeah, 1.8 seconds. And I thought that was just unreal. Yeah, I mean, they, they've done a lot of lobbying 
to get the rules changed and in a way that would help them and potentially uh, hurt other teams. And let me just say, it, it looked like it helped Red Bull. I don't think I've seen Max that like on that much of a different level this year. Even compared to Checo, he was, I mean, he finished the race so far ahead and he started in 14th place. Right. Unbelievable. It was crazy. But the car was on rails all weekend. Yes, it was. I mean, he had the upper hand the entire weekend. I mean, the way that he was passing cars, it reminded me of him back in Brazil in the rain. Um, you might remember that race when he right, was when he passing guys around the outside was, constantly. Was this 2016? Uh, yeah, was it 16? He spun out on the front mm -hmm. on the front straight, did a, did a full really nice, 360, yeah. kept on going. I mean, right. it's just yeah. Sometimes he just puts in these. Well, a lot of times, really. Well, not a lot of times. I would just say lately. This year, right. he's been driving really well. I've right. been impressed for sure. Well, the new engine that he had in the back of there, I'm pretty sure helped. Yeah, I'm sure it did. I mean, they still have to drag that thing out, you know, for the rest of the season. But, yeah, Red Bull on a different level this weekend. Right. Definitely. They definitely have the season within their grasp. I don't think there's anything that any other team can do to slow them down. And I, I, they're going to take both championships easily this yeah. year. Yeah, I believe so too. I mean, it's it's obvious they're gonna win the constructors by a long shot. They're gonna win the drivers by a long shot. I mean, Perez jumped in the P two this weekend in the um, drivers championship. So, it's it's all happening. I mean, right. they're they're just they're performing at right. such a high level right now. It's it's awesome. Since Max and Red Bull are performing at such a high level, what do you think that means for the other teams as far as their development? Um, do you think that teams, especially with regards to Mercedes, you think they should kind of shut down operations this season and just focus strictly on how they're going to come back fighting strong next year? I was thinking about that earlier, about do Mercedes just kind of shut down their program for this year and just continue out the season with what they have? Or do they fight for second place? Because now they're, they're kind of – they didn't gain anything on Ferrari this weekend, but – they still have the potential to beat Ferrari and the constructors and, you know, gain a little bit more, you know, from that. But is but the financial be, gain really what they don't really need that financial gain by winning all those extra points? Yeah. Look at the know. risk versus reward. In order for Mercedes to beat Ferrari, Ferrari have to just screw up like they have been. Yeah. But if by chance Ferrari tends to get it right, I don't see Mercedes beating them. Yeah, that's probably true. So maybe it's best if they kind of focus more on right. next year. Although I do think Lewis, his race pace is always better than Russell's. So I think he would have had a better shot at a podium yesterday. Yeah. But that's with, well, I mean, Sainz started in first place. So he could have beat Sainz yesterday. Right. Leclerc started P16. But yeah, I believe Lewis could have been on the podium this weekend. And Russell would have been P5. They would have outscored Ferrari. Um, it would have just been a P3, though. He wouldn't have had the measure of Perez. No, I don't think so either. But but finishing P3, ahead, I mean, they would have gained points on Ferrari is what right. I'm saying. So they would have at least been able to kind of work towards possibly getting in second place in the Constructors this, this season. Well, let's break down why that didn't happen, though. Yeah, well... It was pretty simple. So Lewis got a great start, of course, and runs down over Rouge, comes up, you're going up the straight, and you're going into Lake Home. Mm -hmm. and, and I think you were saying that 
you're like, man, it's Alonzo. It's Alonzo. Right. Watch out. Don't, you know, don't, <laughs> don't play this thing too aggressive because we all know who Alonzo is. But honestly, I think Lewis decided yesterday that he just wasn't going to give up with, with Alonzo this time. He was just going to shut the door and make Alonzo give, you know, give the space. And I think Alonzo was like, dude, no, I'm, I'm Fernando Alonzo. <laughs> like, I'm right. not moving. I, I think he knew he was there. He did say, oh, I, I, you know, I didn't see him. He knows he was there. These guys are not stupid. I mean, the only reason why I can, why I can, you know, guess that Hamilton was being so aggressive is because he just didn't want to lose pace. He didn't want to lose out the science. He knew that the Renault wasn't, or the Renault, I'm sorry, y'all, the Alpine wasn't going to have the pace as the, as the Ferrari. And he knew that he would be able to have the measure of Ferrari if he can get behind a Ferrari in the, uh, in the draft. So that's why I believe he was being so aggressive, but it was just an ill-judged move. Uh, it was a little reckless, kind of uncharacteristic yeah. from Lewis. But that being said, if you watch the video, especially coming from um, Perez's car, him and Russell were going into the same turn right, right after. Perez, if you look at it, he, he shut the door on Russell the same way Hamilton did on Alonso, and Russell just backed out of it, gave him the room, and continued on. And I think, I think it's just the nature of the Hamilton Alonzo, uh, like just that battle between the two of them that they do not, they don't like each other on track. And Alonzo, <laughs> Alonzo is Alonzo. He he doesn't. He's the hardest guy to pass in the game. Right. Well, I will say this about Russell. I think when he goes into like engagement situations, he's a little bit more scared. To crash think, the car. Yeah, he's pretty timid. Yeah. Yeah. He but I think wanna... he also, he plays it safe, too. He's he's kind of like a, I, I can't just shove my nose in there and still make it to the end of the race. I'm right. going to lose my front wing or I'm going to, you know, right. I'm going to crash. So, whereas, I think, I don't know, maybe Hamilton is at this point in his career now where he he's just like, just move out of my way or or I'm going to crash. I'm just going to make you crash. And, and if we crash, oh, well, too bad. I mean, is that is that where his head is right now? I can't imagine though. That, I don't. I don't look at it like that. I, I think he was trying to be very calculated. I just think he placed the car. I knew what he was trying to do, and I know you knew as well too. What he was trying to do was just get the angle on Alonzo, so Alonzo could back out, so that he couldn't come back with the run around the second portion of the cor- uh, corner. Because yeah. if Alonzo would have had that run on that second portion yeah, of the corner, the he would have had seven. the inside. So I think he was just trying to shut that down, but he placed his car in the wrong direction. Because if you look, Hamilton turned in, and then he had another sharp, aggressive turn into the right to try to hit the apex and get the run off the second corner. Mm-hmm. But that's where they collided. And I think it – I don't know. I don't know why he would put himself in that situation. He had to know that Alonzo wasn't going to back out of it. He just had to. I just think he was desperate. And, and I don't like saying that about my favorite driver of all time. I think he was just desperate. Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, it was it was not a good move on his part, and unfortunately, he took himself out of the race because it wasn't too much longer, and he he didn't even complete a whole lap. Right. When the team told him to shut the car off, and right. then he was out there with a fire extinguisher trying to make sure the thing didn't light up. Right. And uh, yeah, a shame, but. What do you I think mean, about? And, well, Alonso continued on, and he was able to finish fifth fifth place. Thanks again to Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it sucks to to keep on laughing at these guys, but they keep on screwing up, man. Does Matia stay past this season? 
Okay, another thing that I talked with, with my friend about today. Um, so I was at the Volkswagen dealership in Annapolis. My right. buddy Luis works there. Mm-hmm. He's the finance manager, and he's and we're talking F1. He's a big F1 fan, and, and uh, I asked him that. I was like, you think they're going to let him go, let go of Matteo? And he was like, no. You know, he's been there since he was in his early 20s. Um, he worked along, He worked with Schumacher, you know, as one of his engineers. So he's been in the team for a long time. I don't think he's going anywhere. Well, Ferrari has been known to just kind of boot a team principal right. and jump, you know, get somebody else on board and see what happens. But for me, Benotto has been, been dropping the ball. I don't, I don't know. Maybe he's not the, the one to blame, but that's what Ferrari's done in the past. Right. So it's, it's kind of tough to, you know, go a different direction when they've, in the past, they've just been like, okay, things aren't going well. New team principal. I definitely, I definitely think he is a technical mastermind. I think the car, uh, he's responsible for a lot of the development and, and just the prowess of the current car at the moment. I just don't think he's great at all the other, managing all the other parts of the organization. Yeah. Yeah, like maybe, maybe that's what's maybe that is what they're lacking right now is just a little bit yeah. of management. Maybe they need to split his roles. Maybe he's just head technical guy, and bring in another guy that's going to manage maybe just the the team aspect of the car, kind of getting yeah. the guys all riled up, making sure the pit stops are locked in, making sure the strategy is up to par. Maybe he doesn't take advantage or uh, manage that particular portion of the team. Maybe he just oversees technical. Maybe. Ferrari pull him back down a technical director, upgrade somebody else who's a little bit more inspirational. I liked Ariva Bene. I did too. Yeah, I thought yeah. he was great. Yeah. Well, another thing, so another thing that we talked about when I was over there with Luis is so I think what he was basically saying is like Ferrari is not a winning team right now. Their team doesn't really know how to win right now. They they have a great car. They don't know how to put it to work as a team. Where Red Bull is like the best operating team right now. And um, even Mercedes is kind of, I mean, they're, they've always been a top team, of course, over these past eight years. But even Mercedes, is they seem to have, like, things are just kind of falling apart a little bit for them. Yeah, I think, you know, I think that's a great point. And kudos to your guy for, for recognizing that. Uh, if you look at the Red Bull garage, I would say 90% of those guys were the same guys that were there when Mark Webber and Vettel were there. Mm. Yeah, so they're sticking with yeah. you know, who they have. Next time yeah. you Next time you watch a race... Uh, listeners, take a look at the garage and maybe see if you can get a glimpse of an old garage from like the 2009 to 2013 era. You will see a lot of the same faces. Mm-hmm. So that's a great point on your guys' end. Yeah, well, they got to step it up. They got to get their, their shit together and, and start winning races again. And I mean, they do have a great car. They can win races. I mean, they were outperformed by Red Bull this weekend for sure, but they can get back up front. Right. They're not going to win this year. No. They're not going to win the drivers or constructors championship, but they might win another race. But they're not going to. Unfortunately, they're not. They're not winning the championship this year. Even though I felt like, man, this was their year. This was their comeback year. This right. was their chance. Um, but let's move on from Ferrari. Let's talk. Let's jump over to. I mean, how about the Williams this weekend with Alex Albon? Just, I mean, they've been fast there before. In the past, they were fast at Spa. Right. They just have so much straight line speed. Cause Russell qualified second last year, <laughs> yeah. There, right? Yeah. But I also think a part of their DNA and the way that they construct the car is to really bet on the Mercedes engine. Mm-hmm. The Mercedes en- engine has been 
the strongest power unit in the field for the last seven years. So I think they their philosophy is just to make us real slippery car, which yeah. will benefit them at a Spa, yeah, a, right. a Monza. Let's talk about that midfield. I think we posted a question on our Racing Goons Media Instagram. Check it out. Who's going to win the midfield? Who's, who's going to get fourth overall between McLaren and Alpine? Well, this weekend, this weekend Alpine looked pretty strong. Right. The McLarens were a little weak this weekend. I think they were, oh man, I think they finished 12th and 15th this weekend. Right. And Alpine's also driving with two very decent drivers, very good drivers, I should say. And, and McLaren are kind of struggling at the moment, right? Well, poor Ricardo getting the boot from McLaren. <laughs> Damn. Poor guy. <laughs> uh, everybody's trying to, yeah, I think he's really reaching for sympathy, but he's not really, I don't know. I don't know that he's getting it from many people. I mean, even. Uh, Definitely ain't getting it from Lando. <laughs> that was harsh, man. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I think Lando just straight up said, I have no sympathy. Right. Like, period. Right. <laughs> I don't think he has sympathy at all. Definitely doesn't. Um, well, Alpine seems to have the measure of McLaren. I, I have them securing fourth in the constructors. They drove an excellent race yesterday. Ocon was on basically on the back of the grid. He had a, a really nice recovery drive. And um, Alonso started third on the grid. Uh, and even though he had a small little entanglement with Hamilton, he was still able to recover and eventually get fifth, especially after hanging on for six majority of the race. Yeah, I, and I really thought Alonzo was going to be out of the race. When I saw him and, and Hamilton hit, I was like, oh, man, broke front suspension. Instantly was kind of what was going into my head, but obviously he didn't. Nothing happened, right? Um, Hamilton just simply, like, <laughs> caught his tire and launched off. Did you see how high the back of his yeah, car man. was? That must have hurt so bad. Like, if anything, I was I was thinking Hamilton was just going to drop that race because that that probably hurt so i mean right. could you imagine launching an f1 car like six feet in the air yeah it looked a little higher than oh. that and i guess upon landing dislodged a water pipe i think they told him to stop because he had a water cooling water coolant leakage got it um our engine coolant liquid leakage whatever the hell you want to call it um yeah it must have been cooling related because it was i mean he was out there trying to right make sure there was no fire so the midfield battle is looking looking pretty good. I do think, um, you know, obviously it's Alpine and McLaren. You have the other guys kind of pulling up the rear. You know, there's there's Haas, Alfa Romeo, Alfa Tari, and Aston Martin are all, all fighting for, really, I guess they're kind of fighting for fifth place in the constructors. There's only like 27 points between Haas and Aston Martin, between the four of them, actually. Um, so there's there's still a lot to play for for those guys, too. Yeah, I have no objection there. But, I don't think we've seen Gene Haas at a race in ages. <laughs> I think it's Ferrari's C team. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they do have to use something to kind of get a little bit of a development program going. Right. Um, but, yeah, we still don't even know what's going to happen with all these other drivers. I mean, there's there's still the driver lineup kind of going into next year. We still don't know who's filling up these last few spots. Right. Um, at one point we were having a conversation last week about Mick Schumacher going to Alpine. But now a lot of the stories suggest that it could be Gasly going to Alpine. I did see that. Yeah. So what would happen if, if Gasly goes to Alpine, which 
I don't think that would be a bad move for him, although I didn't really know that there was an issue with him at AlphaTauri. I don't think they I don't think there is. I just think he wants to get out of Red Bull's B team. Okay. I think he's at a point in his career where he's proven enough where he's proven that he could be on an A team or a, a top team, you know, hopefully competing for podiums and wins and potentially even a championship. There must be a lot of information on these teams kind of behind the scenes type stuff where there's there's a lot more information being given because I don't see Alpine being like in the you know racing for wins at, in a, on a like a consistent basis and and same thing with like Aston Martin I just can't see them getting to that level um, so when you see like drivers bouncing around all over the place kind of reaching for another team that's going to take them to the next level I'm not seeing it with some of these other teams and and maybe that's wrong maybe maybe some of these guys are kind of maybe there's a lot of development happening but I don't see it on my end. Well, I think with regards to the drivers, Mercedes is not going to pick anybody outside their camp. Yeah. Ferrari's not going to pick anybody outside their camp. Red Bull is not going to pick anybody outside their camp. Uh, they have drivers in their camps basically fighting for those seats. So if one falls down, another one's going to step up. Um, with the exception of the Sergio Perez situation, I think that was kind of like a long shot. However these seats are kind of hard to come by. So I think the drivers just want to take the next best thing. And I think at the moment, Alpine is just the next best thing. That's the only thing that's going to potentially guarantee that they can get a podium or a win on their, on their uh, resume. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and I can, I can see that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, and look, you can't fault Alpine. They've done a lot since they've changed back to Renault, maybe about four or five years ago or six, six seven years ago maybe and they've they've grown steadily over time i don't think they've really hit any major speed bumps with the exception of daniel ricardo back in, <laughs> back in 2020 I, and i still that one still kind of confuses me because i still feel like ricardo was making a move at at the wrong time i, I don't think the the move was necessary i don't think it really i don't think he gained anything by moving to mclaren and look at him now he's Right. leaving McLaren so I, I think he was I think I don't know that was a little bit of a questionable move <laughs> you want to know what <laughs> the inner the internet never loses right it's always winning right so I forgot which account it was there was an account that had Alpine or Renault's old boss surreal abitable mm -hmm. if that's how you pronounce his name <laughs> and they quote him saying he will regret that decision. Yep, I remember that. And he's regretting mm -hmm. that decision. I think he is. I think he is. So last week in our podcast, we talked about, um, you know, Phil made some picks. I made some picks for this week. Obviously, we've already told you the race and, and kind of broke that down a little bit. But so my picks, which were wrong, completely wrong. I yeah, picked Leclerc yeah. to win, <laughs> Max P2, and Lewis P3. Well, not even close. Of course, Max won. He was not. He was not P two. He actually won the race from fourteenth. Phil's picks were Max to win, which he did. Checo P two, which he did. <coughs> sorry, sorry, and sorry. My a bad. Ferrari driver P <laughs> three, which they got P three. So Phil nailed it. Yeah. Thank you all. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> really appreciate that. But on. If you want to just talk about Phil winning for a little while, 
he also won this week in our fantasy F1 program. <coughs> and so, oh, it's just my weekend, you know? So, like Max, so now, it was just my weekend. So, so now I got to go run a mile and do 100 push-ups. You will be able to find this on our Instagram Racing Goons Media page. Oh, man, am I going to have to do this? <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. All right. I got to start training. Do you know a good trainer? <laughs> I think I do. Let me call him up. <laughs> yeah. So he ignored my call. I, <laughs> <laughs> I got, um, I actually got both of my kids on on the uh, Racing Goons Grid Rival League. I don't know if nice. you saw that. I did. I didn't know who yeah. they were, though. All right. So if, if anybody on here is actually joining our Grid Rival League, we got a few, a few new faces, right? So I had both of my kids jump on and, uh, so Colin, he's like, hey, what should, my, um, what should my team name be? I'm like, dude, I don't know. And he goes, hey, give me, give me, a, um, like, give me an adjective, right? And I was like, and I said, buttery. <laughs> and, mm. and he's like, okay. And he said, give me an animal. And I said, cheetah. So his name is Buttery Cheetah, five, six, seven, eight. Buttery Cheetah. Buttery Cheetah. And he, guess what? He's in second place overall. He scored the most points out of all of us this week nice <laughs> it is awesome and then caitlin's is prancing horse which i thought was pretty awesome oh because she loves riding horses yeah go oh, colin you did your thing this weekend on the point side but the value of my picks are the highest this weekend yes yeah your value went up 4.4 million so again you guys got to join our grid rival league it's so much fun you pick your drivers, you pick your team, you score points. It's kind of like fantasy football. Unfortunately for me, Lewis Hamilton is on my team, and he DNF'd. Yeah, I oh, mean, God. he's on my team as well, too. I mean, I got a little bit of bad luck from him. But I got some grace from some of the other drivers. I had Tsunoda, um, I had Albon, I had Alonzo, Leclerc, um, and Hamilton. How was Bryce beating you? Yeah, I scored so poorly this weekend. But oh well, oh well. Yeah, I'd be like that. On sometimes. to the next one. We got another week of racing coming up next weekend. So this weekend, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, second race in the triple header. We got Zanvort. Zanvort. Zanvort, Max's home track. Yeah. The Orange Army will be so strong at this race. Yeah, bro. They got to do something about all that smoke. Bro. Uh, you know they did. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's crazy. You know what though? I like it. I think it's fun to watch. But. I think um, I think I heard them saying again that Ferrari was going to be a fast car at Zandvoort. It will, but it's there's no way it's touching Max at home. There's no way. I think on paper the Ferrari is the stronger car. The Ferrari the might car, be the stronger car, but they don't have the strongest team. And I will say I think the drivers are just losing hope in the team. Yeah, they're I losing hope in the team. Too. They. they you can tell by the way they're driving. You can tell by the way Leclerc looks every time he gets out of the car. Yeah. He just looks defeated. Yeah. You know, it's it's like he's not enjoying his position anymore. Why would you? I mean, they called him in on lap 43. Yeah, and why did they pull him in on lap 43? To get the fastest lap. And so so look. Did he get the fastest lap? No, he was six tenths <laughs> off. <laughs> so oh. he had nine. He, so Leclerc was in fifth, right? And yeah, basically a 19-second, maybe almost 20-second lead on uh, the sixth-place running Fernando Alonso. Yes. Right? So the pit lane delta was 18 seconds. So I guess Ferrari thought, you know, if we gave him an average pit stop, which is about 2.5 seconds, I think he did it in 2.4, 
If we give him a 2.5 or better pit stop, he'll be able to come out of the pits with a one-point-second lead ahead of the charging Fernando Alonso. Mm -hmm. Well, he did come out in front of Alonso, but Alonso had a great run coming out of the first corner, and on the back of the Kemmel straight, Alonso was able to jump Leclerc, right? Mm. Which compromised his run and getting the fastest lap. Absolutely. But Leclerc got him back. Mm-hmm. And then what happened? <sighs> Speeding in the pit lanes. Which wouldn't have happened if they didn't bring him in. Right. Right? Yeah. Which, that is on Leclerc. So Although they, he did say, what was his excuse? He actually said that computer, there was a like yeah, computer-related issue. issue on the car that prevented him from you know, bringing that thing down to a particular speed. Yeah. So but, that high-risk, no-reward strategy from Ferrari, I think, is, is the crux of their season. Um, so he was speeding in the pit lane and got a five-second penalty. And with Alonso right behind him, Alonso inherited fifth place. And Leclerc mm -hmm. went back to six. Right. So he lost a spot, didn't get fastest lap, lost points. Yeah. He and he gets, a, and I think he got a point on a super license. For speeding in the pit. Yeah. Damn, and you don't want that. Nope. All right. So here are the standings, the overall standings for the drivers right now. You have Max Verstappen in first place, of course, with 284 points. Second place, Sergio Perez, who moved up from third, jumps over Leclerc with 191. Still... 93 points back. Christ. I mean, Verstappen is just running away with this thing. Leclerc in third. Signs in fourth. George Russell and Hamilton fifth and sixth. Hamilton, unfortunately, losing out once again. Um, Down 24 points to his teammate, right? Yeah, 24 points up to George. And, I mean, it's that's that's actually going to be a good battle to watch for the rest mm -hmm. of the season because Lewis keeps on having these incidents. He's you know He's had issues with the car. He's had issues you know on track. Um, George just has been consistent, and he's scoring right. lots of points. He's doing he's doing well. He's only one point off signs, um, who actually jumped him this weekend. Um, Lando Norris is in seventh. Ocon and Alonso eighth and ninth. Botas in tenth. Magnussen, Vettel, Ricardo, Gasly, Schumacher, Sonoda in sixteenth. Joe, Albon, Stroll, Latifi, and Hulkenberg, of course, came and did a little quick race right. <laughs> and and didn't score any points. Boo. Um, over to the constructors. The constructors, I mean, look, Red Bull, they are a clear first ahead of Ferrari. Red Bull, 475 points to Ferrari's 357. I mean, that's a great spread. I don't see Red Bull losing that lead. Then we got Mercedes securing third comfortably with 316 points. Alpine securing fourth, who I think will take fourth all the way through the rest of the season. 115 points, McLaren 95. Alpha Romeo, 51 points. Haas, 34. Alpha, 29. And 8th, Aston Martin, 24 points. And Williams, 4 points. Yeah, see, that's that's that battle that I was saying. Like, between Alpha Romeo, Haas, Alpha Tari, and Aston Martin, there's only 20. There's 27 points that spread those four teams. And they're all fighting for 6th place. So... There's there's a lot to play for right there with those guys. Definitely. So we'll see how that pans out over the rest of the season. All right. So let's go over to sim racing. You had, had an amazing moment this weekend. Yeah, we really nice sim. Right. So this this past weekend when I was out in Washington, I went to um, that that America's Car Museum, right? And they had this full motion rig and 
I mean, it was it was brutal. I actually put my son in there first, and he ran a few laps at Spa in the. I think it was the F1 2002. It was, it was ran on um, Assetto Corsa, but three screens, like big screens too. I mean, they were pretty large, and but that thing throws you around so much. I mean, and it was such a solid feel. It, it felt it felt really good. Did it? It makes me really want to run a legit setup like that one day. But I'll tell you one thing: like, I, there's no way you're running um, like full races in a rig like that. Really? That, I mean, it was it was almost painful in that thing. Wow. Like, it, I think it was a little it was a little cranked up for for like the excitement of it all. Mm-hmm. because it was so um like the feeling was just so direct every like you hit a curb and it was such an like such a hard impact so it makes me really curious what what these drivers actually feel when they're running over curbs and and going i mean it felt like i was jumping in an f1 car wow it, it was so so uh just aggressive that's exciting um, i want to try one out yeah so i don't know what a great lap time is at f1 or at Spa in the F1 2002 or the F2002 Ferrari. I think it was but, it, um, 147. Because I ran a 149.5 and I felt like that I only had two laps. I only had two laps to put the thing down. Um, but it was it was awesome. It was exciting. And yeah, I wish I would have ran more laps for sure. But you said there's no way. Like, you know how we have these back-to-back races? Like, we'll be on the sim for about two, three hours. Two hours, yeah. In something like that, I, I don't know that I could do it. I mean, it's – I would have to crank it down a little bit. Maybe I, – I still want to feel all of that. I mean, the immersion was awesome. It felt so good. But the aggression of that sim was like, damn. I, I just – I don't know. It was It was crazy. It was fun. It was exciting. It was, it was, but it was overboard with the amount of uh, force that was coming through that thing. Right. The wheel felt great. The wheel was was really nice, but, but man, like the hydraulic system of that whole thing was just so right. quick, jittery. How many laps did you do? I only ran. It was not even three laps. I didn't. I wasn't even able to finish the third lap. Um, well, you would have been on par for fastest lap. That was one forty seven. By Michael Schumacher back in 2002. Oh, give me five laps in that sim. I'm running 147s for yeah. sure. And I mean, even like running through the whole thing leans, right? So like even running through Eau Rouge, the way that like the whole sim just kind of like falls over to mm-hmm. your left as you're coming. And then you, you come up over the hill and you feel yourself kind of slide to the right and the car gets a little unstable at the top. You feel all of that. And that's what's really cool is that you can feel the car un- get unstable not in the steering wheel, but in the actual rig itself, which wow. that's that's cool. And the immersion is only going to get better with time. All right, so we talked about CXC simulations, and we talked about you know being out in Washington and racing on a on like a rig with full motion. But let's talk about Phil and his recent races in iRacing. Because if you remember last time we talked, he was he was banging against other cars, he was losing points, he was he was struggling, but. But what happened over this past week? Just a healthy recovery. Recovery. I think I told you last week I lost what 450, 500 points. Lost a lot of points. I lost a lot of points. You know, I was on pace. I was on pace with the top guys, but for some reason, I just I kept um, getting into collision after collision. I I lost safety rating. I lost I rating. I I just kept losing. Uh, But this week is a different week. 
we are with the IRO4, we are at Suzuka. And I must say, I've gained everything back and then some. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. And and seeing those messages come through, like, I'm back, boys. <laughs> it's yes. like, I mean, I see the I rating go up. I'm seeing the safety rating go up. So obviously, there's a lot of, like, better races. Maybe you're racing with guys that are, are being a little bit more respectful on track. But also, you clearly just have a really, you have really good pace at that track. Yeah. I, I definitely have a better feel for Suzuka versus uh the where was I at? The Hockenheim ring? Yeah, last you're at Hockenheim, yeah. I was quick there, don't get me wrong, but I had to think about being quick there. And Suzuka, I don't know, the track just flows so nice. Which is interesting because Suzuka is such a technical track. Yeah. So it's cool to see you're able to claw all that back at Suzuka. That's I will huge. say this. You don't see the dirty drivers race this weekend you don't see him and maybe that's why yeah maybe that's why maybe suzuka kind of pushes away the guys that want to bounce off each other and, right. and kind of opens up um you know the the track to you know only the drivers that really are are at, like at that level that they're able to keep the car on track for that long on a track that is really difficult i mean it, if I was to say, like, what tracks are most difficult, I would definitely rate Suzuka higher up than a, a lot of others. But it's so fulfilling, though, mm-hmm. versus the Hockenheim ring. It's just such a fulfilling lap, especially when you connect. Today, I went two, I went under 202 for the first time. I went 2019, and it was just so fulfilling, hitting all the angles, hitting every breaking point, hitting every turning point, getting on the gas at the perfect time. I mean, there's always areas where I feel like I can improve because the faster guys are going under 201. Uh, however, I think going under 202 for me is great. And I think it put me in a different category of driver for iRacing in that particular series. That's awesome. So what race is next? What else What else is coming up? We got Imola Ooh. this week. See, I think that's going to bring back those dirty drivers that you're talking about. Because I believe in my pace last week with regards to Suzuka, I was comfortable starting from the back of the grid. Mm-hmm. There would be some races I didn't even set a qualifying lap because I was just going to let some guys crash their ways out. I've been doing that. And i also just been – I haven't been desperate to win the race on the first lap or the first corner, let alone. There are some guys in there who just – I don't know what they're doing. They just feel like they can just dart on the inside, especially on cold tires because cold tires and warm tires make a huge difference in eye racing. Yeah. Some of the guys are just overly aggressive on cold tires and, and just making – big big mistakes and i think what i no patience no patience i just that's what i worked on patience mm-hmm. that's a great word i just kind of sat back and waited for my car to get to the levels that they needed to be and and once i felt like my car was ready you know usually around lap three i started attacking and i only attacked in a few places i attacked on the what, what do you call that the casio corner the last ba- basically right left before the straight okay and um uh, at the end of Degner, what's that hairpin? I, think I mean, it's just called the hairpin. I, I think it's just called the hairpin. <laughs> yeah. yeah, those were the two places, the only two places that I would attack, and uh, it was great. A great week. I clawed yeah. back all my 500 points that I lost the week prior, and uh, definitely gained a lot of, basically, a point of safety rating. Yeah, yeah, which is huge. Which, I mean, explain to to everybody kind of what what those numbers mean. Safety rating. 
basically means you drive safe or you don't drive safe. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you want the higher that, the number, the safer. That's right. The safer that driver is. And I mean, I don't know that that's 100% accurate because I think there are a lot of kind of drivers out there that still are able to get away with a lot of things and still have right. a high safety rating. Right. Um, but from the mindset of like, this guy is not going to completely just dive bomb and right. wreck into you. Um, you know, I think it able, correlates okay. Able to race side by side. It may not be perfect, but I think it correlates okay. Yeah. I mean, you can tell a guy that has a three point safety rating versus a guy that has a 1.5 safety rating. They drive totally different. Sure. The guy with the 1.5 safety rating, you kind of you got to give him a lot more space. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to go side by side in the corner because if he's on the inside and you're on the outside, he's going to run you off the track. You got to know that. And then we we're talking about I rating, right? <laughs> and then yeah, your I rating. And what does that mean? I rating are just points that accumulate over races. Uh, so you get like it's basically like a ranking system. Mm-hmm. So if you beat a guy that has 2,500 points in I rating and you have 2,300 points in I rating, you gain more I rating for beating that guy. Right. And it basically levels you up. Um, the, some of the top guys on I racing have 4,000, 5,000. Um, I think Max Verstappen has, don't quote me on it, 8,000. Damn. <laughs> but most and Lando of, is probably up there as well. Yeah, yeah. he's up there as well. Yeah. Uh, mm. Guys like that are just insane. So, yeah. right. so that's not just a matter of, you know, going in once and just all of a sudden you have a really high I rating. It takes it takes a lot takes a of lot time of to build up those points. You got to win a lot of races too. You got to set a lot of fastest laps. You got to get a lot of pole positions. Um, they have a nice little they have a nice <laughs> little algorithm. It's just a combination of fastest laps, racing incidents. Mm-hmm. You don't want to have a whole lot of racing incidents because that affects your your safety rating. Um, and you want to beat guys. So next week, or this week, I guess it is, you're going to be racing at Imola. How many, how many laps do you guys do? How long are these It's races? a 20-minute race. Okay. Uh, I think we will do anywhere between 12 to 13 laps per race Yeah. within 20 minutes. So we had a question from a viewer, and I thought it was interesting. Um, this, this viewer is very experienced, and he's very knowledgeable when it comes to just racing. He's, he's an avid fan and a big fan of ours. So he asked this, or in quote, there's been some talks from Joseph Newgarden claiming that IndyCar is the most challenging place to test yourself. And if you want to take pride in winning a championship, you're going to want to do it here in this series, talking about IndyCar. Then he asks, he asks both Tommy and I, do you think that is true? Is IndyCar an overall better series compared to F1? Tommy, I want you to go first. Well, I, I'm not a big watcher of Indy compared to Formula One. I mean, I've watched Indy before, and I've watched some races this year. But but I will say that the, the competitiveness in Indy versus F1, I mean, the cars definitely fight a lot closer together in Indy. So I think it does play a lot more into the driver's hands versus where F1 is, is so much toward, like, the cars are so important for you to have a winning car. I mean, you have to have a winning car to win a race unless right. there's a lot of, you know, drama that goes on with some other drivers so i will say that if if you have the opportunity to race in both series and and you're you're just going there strictly to kind of like hone racecraft i would say indy would be the place for that because you have so many drivers competing in such a close field you're gonna be overtaking and be overtaken so frequently 
as you know opposed to f1 where you might go the whole race without even moving you know up or down a place so i thought you were about to make a point but you didn't right i thought you were going to say that if they had an opportunity to race in formula one versus indycar what are you picking i thought that's what you were going to say and so i do think that there is little substance to what joseph newgarden said but mm -hmm. if you had the opportunity right here right now to race for red bull would he stay back in indycar oh man I, and that's that's the thing because well the way that i've always viewed f1 is this is the top of motorsports right. if you want to you know if you say that you are racing at you know the top level in motorsports anybody that knows what f1 is you're gonna think that person's talking about formula one right you know and so yes i would say if he had the opportunity to jump into formula one I mean, I think it would be silly for him not to take that chance and, and go jump in an F1 car and experience what that feels like. Right. I mean, how many times do you see these guys doing, like, trade my ride, right? right. It's it's always an F1 car and an ass car or, you know, and, I mean, I think they even did a rally car once. But, like, they they talk about how brutal these things are under braking and, and the G-forces they're able to pull off. Obviously, they're completely different than an Indy car they're built differently they're they're made to do different things but it's still just on a completely right. different level than right. indy i definitely call bullshit on what joseph newgarden said i think he is trading in his indy car for an f1 car but i think the racing is just different it's a different kind of race there are there are things in f1 that matter more um a lot of people say that the car is easy to drive and you know what that might be true the car might be easy to drive when all the temps and everything is optimal and everything is fit perfectly for you. But I think what's so special about F1 and what's so special about the great F1 drivers, they know how to, and I'm going to use a word that um, Martin Brundle says a lot and, and uh, match it in a lot of these guys, they massage the car. Mm -hmm. They know how to massage the car to get it to work for them, not just for one lap, not just for two laps, but an entire stint. Yeah. an entire race they know how to keep the car guys like lewis know how to keep the car in its most optimal position for an entire race they know how to stay at pace basically laps that are basically running the laps that they're supposed to be running they know how to do that for 90 minutes straight yeah, yeah. under immense pressure and in what way do you mean pressure let's look at ricardo he's off pace mm -hmm. he's out of a job yeah He's That's cut quick. from his contract a year earlier. They don't deal with that pressure. Yeah. And an F1 is not just the cars. The drivers have to develop that car. Mm -hmm. The engineers, at the end of the day, are really only going to go in a direction that the lead driver wants them to go into. And right. there's a lot of pressure behind that as well, too. Mm -hmm. If Lewis Hamilton says, you know what, I'd rather push for more braking development versus rear-end stability, they're going to follow his lead because he's a seven-time World Drivers' Championship. They're going to trust him. There's a lot of pressure in picking that. And if he's wrong, they just set the team back weeks, yeah. if not months. So there's a mm -hmm. lot that go. IndyCar guys don't have to develop a car. They're in a spec series. Yeah. They don't have to manage tires. They don't have to manage aero. They don't have to build the car throughout the week. All they have to do is build pace. Yeah. They're not going back to the guys saying, you know what? That low down force ring, uh, wing was probably better. I'm pretty sure we're going to have this kind of delta over time in the race versus qualifying. They don't deal with that. Well, stuff. that's that just goes right into you know if you break it back down into i racing, right? 
how many leagues do you race in that are spec leagues versus how many leagues you race in that are um, tuning leagues where, you know, the spec series, it's all based on just jump in your car right. and drive and keep on running laps. And, you know, you keep on learning lap by lap and you go faster and faster as, you know, if you're running in a tuning series, you run a few laps, you see how the car feels, you make an adjustment. You run right. a few laps, you see how the car feels, you make another adjustment. Right. And sometimes you go backwards. Sometimes you have to keep going back and forth, and and it's and it's really it's really crazy to see. And I I know because I've done I've spent hours tuning a car right. just to see that, you know, man, all those things that I did went the wrong way. I need to go and do this. Instead. I did a ranked league because I didn't like the way the car felt on um, full fuel. I didn't like how slow it took for the car to get into its sweet spot, as a lot of these guys would say. So what I did is I just changed the, the rear end camber by a couple of uh, degrees and I took more fuel out of the car. But guess what? The car was excellent for the first five laps, but the car was so shit for the last five laps. And I hated that. So I actually went back to the fixed setup and it was quicker. Yeah. Right. So, so yeah, these are things you got to consider. Right. So as an F1 driver, you're you're in, you have to tune the car, yeah. right? And, and you have to be able to drive it all, all the different fuel levels and the different, you know, when your tires are worn. And obviously, indie car drivers have to do that as well. But when you're the one that's helping develop the car, right? yeah, that's, I can understand that. That's a lot of pressure. Right. They don't, but an indie car driver doesn't have 2,000 people behind them. All right, y'all. Thanks for joining us. We're definitely excited that you're joining us on this journey. Uh, we definitely love what we're doing at the moment. We love talking about F1. We love talking about racing and cars. Um, just don't forget to watch Zanport this weekend. It's going to be an awesome race. I think what we want to see is, is Max win again. Can he win again on a Ferrari track? Um, so, look, stay tuned, and we'll catch you next week. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you guys next week. We're out. Later. Let's hear it. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, we're done. <laughs>